The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm really, really grateful to be in 2022, as much to be uh, to not be in 2021 anymore as I am to be in 2022. 2021 was quite a five years. And since really uh, this pandemic began, across America, uh, church attendance is down by about 30%. And so in a lot of places, and certainly in this place, we are rebuilding. And so we're going to spend the winter and spring looking at Ezra and Nehemiah. But as I began to think about us doing that, I began to think about TBC and how we might rebuild. And I thought, you know, there are a lot of new faces at TBC. So it'd be good for us to begin the year hearing about the history of TBC, which you're going to do today, and hearing about the vision for the future, which you're going to hear next week. And when I thought about where this church has been and who we've been, uh, my good friend, mentor, one of my favorite people on the planet, Danny Cunningham, came to mind. <laughs> I, thought, to I teach. thought you were talking about someone else. Uh, no, 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 even, right. even, even you. Other people, uh, yeah. Came to yeah. mind as, as one who would take us to the word and then remind us really who we are in Christ. And so I'm really grateful for you to be able to hear what God has for us today through Danny. Would y'all welcome him as he teaches us the word this morning? Thank you. Thank you, Chase. Yeah, if you're going to build something, you might want to know what the blueprint is a little bit, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Hi, I'm Danny. Hey, there you go. Happy New Year. Thank you for coming out today in the middle of a cold blizzard. Whoever was praying for the cold weather, you can stop now. You got out of hand a little bit last year. Just don't do that again. (laughs) We're talking about what a hard year. It has been a hard year, but it's been good in so many ways. It's, It's really kind of been a blessing to see how the people of God have ministered to one another through sickness, through calamity, but it has been a hard year, and we are looking forward to what's what's in store for us but as we talk about what's in store for us we might want to remember what the blueprint is and we'll talk a little bit about that we're going to talk about the story we're living in that is the scripture the bible if you have one you can pull it out on your apps or open it up we're going to be in there and uh i just want to just uh thank you guys for your faithfulness uh for staying with us for being here uh, I was taught as a speaker, uh, I've given I don't know how many closing arguments as an attorney, and, but they taught me to, uh, to always introduce myself, so I'm going to introduce myself. My name's Danny Cunningham, that's my lovely wife Sandy right there, the best part of this team sitting right there. I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God, I'm just like you. No one here has outsinned me, and everything I'm going to do or say today, I hope, is covered by the grace of God, that it's hidden behind the cro- cross, but it comes and flows from the study of the Word, but from literally the salvation that God has given us and me. I've been forgiven and loved deeply by the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been forgiven and loved deeply by this lovely woman over here, and I'm blessed. I am the father of David and Sarah. I'm the goose that is the grandfather for Ben and Parker, and I am blessed. Everything else is gravy. <laughs> That's who I am. That's my introduction. I'm the executive pastor here. I've been on staff here for about a little over 20 years and uh, was serving the church before that. And so, again, you know, the, the tasks I've been given today is to give a little bit of a history where we've been. And we're going to root it in the scripture because our middle name's Bible. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
But we're going we're gonna to just kind of visit about the past and see where we are and then maybe have a little glimpse of what's possible as we gather together. Would you pray with me? Father, you, you are so good to us. Look here at your people that have come together, the ones you've called out to be your own, gathering together here in your name, worshiping you with our words, praying to you from our hearts, and reaching out to you, Father, and declaring that you're good and that you saved us, not just us for ourselves, but us together to be who you've called us to be in this world. And we came here together today, despite all the things that might have been placed this morning, this week, this year, or even in our lives that would have kept us apart, Father. You've brought us together and let us not take for granted the miracle that that is as we consider your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I have been around here a long time, and so uh, I uh, was taught well by many others, one including the, the bald guy, Gary, that was here for so many years. But if y'all were here, who's, you know, if you remember Gary, you remember one thing he had to do was have a, a, at least an acrostic or alliterate, either three Ps, two Ts, or something made sense. So I, I channeled my inner Gary, and today our sermon is going to be called, guess what, Temple Bible Church. We're going to work on temple and Bible and church. T stands for... B stands for, and C stands for, yeah, and it's a lot more. There's a lot of meaning in each one of those words if you really just sit and dwell on it. It's been a pleasure the last couple of weeks just kind of praying and considering scripture and reminiscing and looking at pictures about the tasks that I have today to, to go through a little bit of the history, but what we stand on, hopefully what we stand for and what we will be standing for for ages to come as the people of God. You realize that's what's happening today. When you came here today, did you understand what was really possible? I mean, most of us came here for I. We said, uh, I'm gonna, I like the worship here. I like, I like it. I do. There's nothing wrong with that. We hope you like it. I like it. Some, some people say, I like the teaching, or I like the preacher, or like when this guy preaches, I like, I like, I, it's, it's about I, and that's, that's good. There's a, there's a part of this that you're drawn because you're saved by the grace of God, and you're saved for something, but there's more happening here than just I right now. And we're going to talk about where you find that in the story that we live in. T stands for temple. What is temple? What is a temple? You ever considered that? Temples everywhere in the world. By the blessing of God, I've been able to travel. You go down the road here on Midway, you can see a temple. You can see a temple to an Indian God. And inside, what you have is a place of worship where sacrifice might take place. But on the outside is an image of what the God might look like. It's a statue, an image, an image bearer, if you will. Something that bears the image. If you're wanting to know what that God looks like or who he is or what kind of power or she has power, that you can look at the image bearer and see what's going on. And throughout the ancient East, when our story was being written by Moses in the, in the Old Testament, they, there were temples everywhere. And so if you kind of look up a, a generic definition of a temple, a temple is a building devoted to the worship, uh, regarded as the dwelling place of God, of a God, or gods or other objects of religious reference. In short, it's a place where a God is present, a God that would be worshiped by a culture, where God is present. Temple. 
And that strand, that idea of temple is from the beginning all the way to the end of our scripture. You already saw one of the scriptures up in our worship. It popped up Revelation uh, 20, 21. Did y'all read that when it came up? We, I hope you read them. We put them up there so you can read them. <laughs> It says, and he will, in the fullness of God, will be present and he will be with us and he will be with us forever. The presence of God, where? Here on earth. And that's his reckoning back to the beginning. In the beginning, in our story, our strand, this idea of temple, we got to get an idea of what it means to be a temple. If we're going to talk about who we are, what we've been built on, and maybe where we might rebuild to go and where we hope to go. Temple, a place where God is. A place where God is. See, this idea came about that as God was present with his people, uh, you, you'll see in, in Genesis, he's, he's in with Adam and Eve, and he makes them, and on the sixth day he made them, and made them male and female, and he made them what? In his image. You see that? Image-bearingness. So we miss, there's so many deep, rich meanings of Scripture, but one of the hints you're going to get in in, uh, the beginning of the story is the beginning of the idea of the presence of God with his people and image-bearingness. That's temple language, folks. It's kind of hard to get away from it. It's in the very beginning of your story. Image-bearers. So if the world is going to look and find out who the God is, who are they going to look to that's image-bearers? And your best hope is that you're qualified to be an image bearer, that when people might look at you, that you would be a reflection of the God who's inside, the God who dwells amongst us, and that you would be a reflection in the world of him, not you. Of his grace, his love, his mercy, his kindness, his joy, his redemption. That's that's what it was made for. So God would be with us and we would reflect him into the world where we had dominion and domain. That's temple language right there in the beginning. And that kind of travels through our story where uh, God uh, just kind of messes with his people. In Isaiah 66, he, goes, he just kind of says this, and I know you're probably considering this because after the fall, they, uh, they started really working through this idea of, uh, okay, how do we restore what we've lost? The fall, we, the presence of God is going, and they started imagining. And he, tells, he tells his people through Isaiah in chapter 66, he says, this is what the Lord says. Listen, heaven's my throne, and the earth is my footstool. He's saying, I've made it all. Where is this house you'll build for me? Where will my resting place be? Remember, in the seventh day, God rested. He was present. He was with. Where will I rest? Will I find a place? And that's where you're going to find temple language. It just keeps on. And then you find it again. It picks up uh, again in Exodus. We're going to get to David in a minute. Don't get distracted. Exodus, he, he, he gets Moses to go to Pharaoh. So people, hey, let my people go. To do what? Y'all remember what he was saying to Pharaoh? Yeah, you didn't have to answer questions, did you? No, don't, don't worry about it. To do what? Let my people go, what? To come out so they can worship me and be with me. They're gonna come out. It's a three-day journey. Get out here so they can be with and I can be with and they can worship me. Temple language right there in the redemption of Israel. And so this idea was always gonna be in the head of Israel's leaders and God desired to be with them, you see? And that story picks up in the story of David. We'll walk through it. So David had been very successful and God had led and gave him great success against his enemies and he knew that and he started reckoning this thought because God knew these thoughts were bubbling up and those he called out. He said, you know, what's going on? He says, listen, 
Uh, David calls Nathan and says, listen here, I, I live in this big house, this big cedar house. Look at me. I'm doing great, but hey, God doesn't have a place to live. I think I need to build him a place. I'm paraphrasing, but you can read it. Go write it down. That's what he's saying. Listen, <laughs> you, you, we need to do something about this. And Nathan, being very encouraging, filled with the spirit, yes, listen, go do what you can do. You know, you, you can do it. And he goes, uh, and, and God kind of wakes Nathan up and says, hey, uh, God, uh, go, go tell David, thus saith the Lord. Now, now if God starts off with that, you might want to listen, right? Thus saith the Lord means let's stop and take a break. This is what the Lord, this isn't Nathan, this is God. I'm waking you up, so go tell him, thus saith the Lord, are you the one who should build me a house to dwell in? Remember Isaiah? Are you, what's, what's going on in your imagination? Listen, haven't I dwelt in the house since the day I brought you up from, uh, 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 the day I uh, brought up the sons of Israel from Egypt? Haven't I been with you even to this day? And haven't I been moving around in a tent, even in a tabernacle? Wherever I've gone with all the sons of Israel, did I ever speak a word to one of the tribes of Israel, which I commanded to my shepherd, my people of Israel, saying, did I ever say, hey, why haven't you built me a house, a temple? Oh, hey God, I was just trying to build your house, you know. <laughs> didn't seem right that the ark was in a tent, but it seems like it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. I feel like I should honor you, and it's a good thought, and that's what we want to do. I want to do this, but God's saying, yeah, that's good, but this temple language that you imagine is going to point to something even greater. You see, he was remembering, he was saying, David, remember, if you've ever been to Israel, you'll see it. If you can just go look it on the internet, but if you've ever been there, Israel has these hilly places, but there are places you can get high, and you can see clear from the south to the north and back. You can see the valleys, and you can see where the peoples and camps are, and whoever there worship them, they'd build a little place, and smoke would be puffing up. All through the land of Canaan. You could see it for hours. There's stories about how that works. Remember uh, Balaam's sacrifice? It would have been a vision forever. Well, the, here's, this, here's this tribe that comes out of Egypt through this, and stories have been coming about them, and it's Israel, and they, they must have a powerful God. But where they went, look, where they went, they had this tent, see? And their God was with them. Wasn't this this little puffy old smoke that some priest was trying to puff up? This is a temple. This is the God that created everything. He is present with those people, not anywhere else. You want to find the God that created all this? There he is, and it must have been a spectacle. I'm telling you, they would have seen it for miles. On a clear day, they would say, oh, something's going on over there. When they saw the people, they saw that a God was with them. Not just any God, but a God who gave him victory after victory after victory after victory. And, and all God is saying, hey, David, you, I understand you want to build me a temple. I get that. But you understand the vocation of the temple is to do something a lot more different than you can imagine. The, the, I do want to be with you. I am going to be with you. And you are going to be my image bearers. But some things have to happen first. And what you're thinking is going to be pointing to something greater than you can imagine. And he says it in response. He tells Nathan to go tell David, listen, the Lord also declares that the Lord will make a house for you. Y'all get the transaction? David, a man after God's own heart, wants to honor God with his heart and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something. I'm going to make God. I'm going to put him in a house and it's going to be glorious and it's going to be incomparable amongst all the other temples we've ever seen and heard of. And he says, well, hey, 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 that sounds good, but here's what's going to happen. Good thought, 
you know, put a finger in it. That's going to happen. Your son's going to build it. But here, think a different thought. I'm going to build a house for you. I'm going to build a house for you. It's a temple. It's going to be a place where I am. And I will raise up your descendants after you who will come forth from you. That is from your line, hint, hint, Jesus. And I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name. You see, there's somebody qualified to build this house. He's qualified. He's not you, but he's coming. Now, the near-term solution to that was Solomon, and it did happen. But what God is referring to is something else, because this story of temple builds on. So listen, if we're going to be talking about building on anything, we've got to understand. We're talking about temple. That's our first name, temple. It's our location, temple. What do we hope to be? A place where the presence of God is where people might find him, know him, see him. This is picked up uh, by Stephen down the road. So you can, we're fast forward now. We, there's so much more temple language, obviously in the Old Testament you can't go through it, but it picks up in the New Testament. They're, they're at the temple, they're worshiping the temple. And guess, guess where they're persecuting Stephen after the resurrection of Christ? He's right there by the temple. And he's recounting the story of Israel and he's telling, listen, something different happened. This temple language, you need to pick it up. Here's it, he says, listen, our fathers had tabernacle and testimony in the wilderness. That's that tent. Just as uh, he spoke to Moses and he directed him to make it. And having received it in their turn, our fathers brought in uh, with Joshua and on dispossessing the nations whom God drove, uh, drove out before them from David. But here's the thing. He told them, oh, I messed up the slide. What he said in his speech is, listen, you know, though, you know that God does not live in a place dwell, uh, made by man. And he's saying it right before they kill him, and he's saying it right by the temple. So you see the language of temple, 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 Texas, temple geography, but temple, presence of God. Who are we? Are we the church? Are we going to be the church? The presence of God among his people, Emmanuel, the glory of God. Does that start sounding about talking about a building or a person? Y'all catching the drift of it? See, temple language doesn't stop in the Old Testament. It's picked up again in Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, present with his people. If you wanted to know who God looks like, you wouldn't look to me. You wouldn't look to any of you, you'd look to him. Jesus Christ, we found him. We found the one we've been looking for. Simeon, waiting at where? The temple for the salvation of Israel. When Jesus is just a kid, he walks up and Samuel goes, oh, thank God you can discharge your servant. I've now seen the salvation of Israel. God has come back to be with us, Emmanuel, Jesus is Lord and King, and they saw it, temple language. You see, in John, it picks up the very beginning of the Gospel of John. He actually starts his Gospel in the beginning. Isn't that fascinating? And, he says, and it says, now the Word became flesh, and, and it says he took up residence and that, that Greek word there means tabernacle. That's talking about like when God was with us in a tabernacle, in a tent, and the fullness of his power and the fullness of his glory and his grace was made known to us. Just like when he was walking around with us in the desert, you couldn't miss it because it was Christ. Everywhere he went, everything was different. People would touch his hem and they'd be healed. He would just breathe on something that would change. He confound them. Questioners of the day, and he showed the people who God was. 
a God of mercy, a God of love, a God who would tell us the whole story, a God who would tell us you're made for a reason, you're made for a purpose, and you're made for me, and if you're mine, I'm never gonna lose you, and they found it in Jesus Christ, and he tabernacled with us. You see the temple language? Because what had happened before, there's a, a, a sad scene in the Old Testament where God leaves the temple they had built for him. He, he, it's, a, it's a sad story. He leaves it and it talks about cherubim and, and, and glory. And if you go read these words, we saw his glory, the one and only, full of grace and truth. You'll see those almost same words describing the God that left the temple and they've been waiting for him ever since. And here he is the one true holy God, Jesus Christ, and we're still talking about temple, at least partially. It all points to him. Scripture goes on to say that the Son of God is the radiance of his glory and the representation of his essence. He sustains all things by his powerful word, and so when he had accomplished cleansings for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of the Most High. This is Jesus, and here it is, Stephen saying, Listen, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool and my feet. What kind of house will you build for me as he's being stoned to death? So you've misunderstood temple if you didn't understand Jesus. You can stand by that building all you want, but he, you can't contain God. God has been telling you all along. He told David, he told his people through Isaiah, listen, temple is pointing to something that's good and I'm here, I'm with you, and it's good and I'm with you. You don't know the presence, but you're gonna find it in Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. You hear that image-bearing language? This is what you find in temples. There's someone that is supposed to bear the image of God. We were disqualified because of sin, but Christ is not disqualified. He is sinless. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn all over creation. For all things in heaven are made by him, through him. Everything was made by him, through him. He was in the beginning. He's going to be there. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He is the answer to the riddle of temple. Jesus and the temple. God with us. Remember the definition of temple? The place where God resides with his people. So what are we gonna do? Jesus remarks about all this even as he's walking around. So in the Gospel of John, you'll see him going interacting with the temple quite a bit more than in the other Gospels. And I think John does this on purpose. And he's, he's standing by the temple one day, and at the time, you know, they come and test him, and they come and talk to him, and then they say, hey, hey, Jesus, uh, give us a sign. What's gonna, you gotta show us a sign. You're doing all these things. We don't know what authority you're doing, but give us a sign. He says, I'll tell you, here's a sign. You know, destroy this temple. He's literally pointing at the building. And it's a big building. I mean, I'll show you some pictures of the cornerstones of this in a minute. And he says, listen, destroy this, and I'll raise it again in three days, and they just go, you're crazy. It took 46 years. I don't know how many years. It took 46 years to build this thing. You say you can raise it in three days. You see, Jesus is taking and co-opting and taking the whole story of God and the, the sign of the temple, and he's saying, look, 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 look. And then after the resurrection, it says here, the people that wrote this, John, who wrote this, says, listen, after the resurrection, we understood he was talking about himself. You see, the riddle of the temple's fully solved. It all pointed to Jesus, where God is, where he resides. And Jesus says, he kind of he builds on this, and I use that as a pun. He says, listen, have you ever read in Scripture the stone the builders rejected, rejected has become the cornerstone? 
You, ever, you know, he's talking to the Pharisees. They've read scripture. You know, when Jesus says, hey, do you ever, okay. Yeah, we read that, Jesus. What are you talking about? Well, that's what's happening right here. You want the temple language? Cornerstone. And you're rejecting it. You want to build your temple on something else. You're rejecting it. Peter picks up on the uh, theme uh, after their question. They healed a lame man. They're brought in to ask, hey, what are y'all doing? Y'all healing people and what's going on? By what name are you doing it? And, and Peter says, listen, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you. That's how he's walking. And this is it. Because Jesus, who you crucified, is the stone the builders rejected. And it's now become a cornerstone. See, we sang that song a while ago. We all were singing Cornerstone. Weak made strong. See, if you have Jesus as your cornerstone, if he's the foundation, guess what? You've got a strong foundation. You reject it, you're going to have trouble. If anything we're going to do from here forward, anything we ever have done in the past that has been anything that would be a blessing on behalf of the Lord our God, it has to have been based on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, the foundation. You see, if you go look at the uh, old buildings where these temples were made, you'll see at the very corner, the largest of the stones were the, they're just huge. We had some, I, I had some, but I took them out, but just for, for, for perspective, I could literally stand by one of those stones and my height would not encompass the bottom stone. You see, you can't put the cornerstone out of place. You have to have it at the bottom. If you put it on top, it's going to crush all the other ones. That's another Bible reference. So Jesus is using temple language about himself. Listen. I'm the temple. Okay, that's T. Let's go to B. Bible. We like to say around here, Bible's our middle name. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. Most people do. <laughs> Listen, it is our middle name. But what does that mean? What is the Bible? Bible is the true, infallible, inspired word of God. It's the full story of God's goodness and of his redemptive plan for us and his creation. Can y'all just read that one more time? The Bible is the true, infallible, inspired word of God, the full story of God's goodness and his redemptive plan for us and his creation. You know, it's, on, it's in your app there. Some of you have, some of you have it here. Did y'all, I mean, you, you put it right here. Did y'all know that's what, I mean, does it feel a little heavier when you feel, when you understand what that is? This is the Bible. It's our middle name. And we're gonna talk about where we've been and where we're going in the future. We gotta remember our middle name is Bible. Always has been, always will be. And it's been a distinction of the people of God from the time the story began and will be all the way to the end because not, not one jot or tittle will be changed, you see. In fact, in, if, you, if you read the story that's in here, you'll see how the people of God who have called, uh, who've been called to be his own, when they gathered the temple and things weren't going so well, somebody, somewhere, a prophet, a priest, or someone dusted off the old Bible and they started looking around and said, oh my gosh, we, we're starting to look like the culture around us. Something's going wrong. God has left us. What's going on? And they'd find the scripture and they'd open it up and they'd literally just start reading it. And the people of God would go, oh my gosh, we need to live according to that. We've let too much of that stuff out there into here. And, and you have to conform to it. You see, the Bible is beautiful and elegant and propositional, and it explains who you are, explains your history, explains your present, it explains your future. It's, it's a guide to life. It can give you breath. 
but we have to conform to it. We can't conform it to us. And what's happening in our day and has been happening it really since scripture is written is they try to say, no, I know what Jesus said here. I know what God said here, but it really meant this because we try to wrap it around us. And maybe, 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 now's the time to dust it off. Start reading it. And just see if we're, we're who we're called to be. The Bible speaks of itself in magnificent ways, but it's, it, it, it tells a wonderful story. Romans, it says, for whatever is written in the former days was written for our instruction. It gives us instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have, what's the last word? Hope. Anybody come in here today without hope? The word of God is given to you so that you might have hope. Some of you came today, I said, I've lost some hope. Let me say, well, let's, let's crack this thing open. It gives you hope. And for us Christians who read it every day, we probably lost sight a little bit that one of our witnesses is our hope. We're kind of walking around a little downtrodden, a little sad. You know what? They, they were going through hard times when Peter wrote to them a letter and says, listen, I know, you, I know the calamity you're in, but listen, live a life such that when people would come up to you, they would know why you have hope. Here's, here's a question. When did hope, when did we leave, leave hope as a witness for who we are? I mean, if, there are, if there's anybody to be hopeful in the days we're living in, it's us. It's us. And I'm going to explain why here in a minute. It's part of the church talk. So it gives us hope. It's a lamp into your feet. And that's an interesting image. Sometimes we just want to see the whole picture. But this is an image of a dark place. And God's word is just like a next step. You see, you kind of keep your head down. Because if you try to look up and light your own torch, you're going to hit your head in the cave. No, it's a lamp into your feet. It gives you the next day. It's really frustrating. Because <laughs> we want to know next week, next month. No, it's a guide. It tells us where to go day by day. Day by day, week by week. Timothy says of Scripture, all Scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Ever since I've been here, one of the first things that I noticed, one of the first things Sandy and I noticed was the seriousness with which this church took the Word of God, making every endeavor to preach it rightly. That's a daunting task. If you go over there in the offices, you'll see library of books after books after books. It's so unfathomable that years and years and centuries of scholarship still haven't plumbed the full depths of it. That's how magnificent the word of God is. And so no matter how old we are, we're going to keep reading it and try to learn more. We're going to learn from you. We're going to learn together. We're going to be in community. And we're going to strive to honor what scripture has been telling us about Bible's our middle name. We've already been talking about it. You wouldn't even know the connection of temple to Jesus and now the connection of temple Jesus to us if you didn't have the story of God. And in fact, if you want to read a little bit more about Paul, how Paul takes the story of temple, go read Ephesians this week. I don't know if you have enough time, but I think you do. Go read Ephesians. You'll see from Ephesians that this whole idea of church is based on the magnificent power of God. The God who has saved us, the God in his resurrection power has joined things together that were 
set apart and separated by evil, Jew and Gentile. And this magnificent thing started happening in Christ because the power of resurrection, people are being brought together. That's what's happening. Go read Ephesians, you'll see. We'll walk through here real quick. That's Bible. Now we'll talk about church and temple. Definition of church. I like Leslie Newbigman's definition. It's, it's the elect people of God, chosen and called, not merely for the God's blessing, but for the service of God's missionary people. They're to be priests and reconciling agents. See it for the world. It's not, it's not just for you, you see. We're, we're called together. The sermon's entitled Saved Together. Yeah, it's good. You're saved. You, 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 you are a child of God. And if God has uh, chosen you, he lives within you. And everywhere you go, he is with you. But us together, oh my goodness, it's unfathomable what can happen and what is supposed to be happening when we're together. It's a mission. We are the missionaries. We are the mission of God, accomplishing his plan in the world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And Jesus replied, and they were asking him, so what are we going to do? What kind of church are we going to have? He said, listen, you made a declaration, uh, uh, Peter. You've got to remind you of this. Peter confessed. They were, he was asking, who do you say I am? And, and, uh, and the disciples said, well, Peter, being anxious, just jumped up and said, you remember what he said? Hey, I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He didn't even know what he said. Right? He, it sounded good, but he didn't know what he said. He said something more magnificent than what he really said. And he says, you know what? You're right. No, this wasn't revealed to you by man, but by the Spirit of God. And based on that confession, I'm going to build a church. Peter, your name, your, uh, uh, your name is now Rock. And on that rock, it's not you, it's the rock. It's a statement, the foundation. You get the rock language, the cornerstone, the foundation. On that foundation, I'm going to build what? A church, a place where people will find me through you. You see the vocation? You see what we're supposed to be doing? Are we doing it? Are we doing it? Listen, and here's a promise. It will prevail against the gates of hell. <laughs> it won't be defeated. Like that last building. It's different. And now what God had said to David is becoming fulfilled in Christ. The church has started. And here's a question. We the church, what would you expect to find? Well, Jesus says you're the church. And as your church, you need to be going and baptizing. He says, listen, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And look what he says. We, we usually get that first part. That's the command to make disciples. We talk about that a lot, and we ought to be doing that. If we're not doing that, we're not the church. But look what he says. As you're doing that, if I'm the cornerstone, if I'm the rock, look what he says. Can you see it? Read it out loud. And surely I am with you. That's temple language. The presence of God with you, with his people. It's amazing. And again, I say to you, if two or three agree about anything on earth, it shall be done. And then he says, for where two or three have gathered in my name, guess what? I'm there. Now, some people have taken that to me. Oh, all I need is two or three people. That, that's true. I mean, that's not what he's trying to say here. He's trying to say, imagine what I'm doing. The two or three of you together is a miracle in itself. But look around. 
No, I really mean it. Look around. Look, just look around. The person next to you, person around, you wouldn't even know each other if it wasn't for a resurrected Christ. Did you ever think about that? We wouldn't even be in the same room together. We might, we might see each other at the store. We would never have traveled together to Ukraine. We'd never, we would have, we'd never, oh my gosh, if it wasn't for a resurrected Savior, do you see the power of God? Look around. Behold the power of God. You wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for a resurrected Savior. And, all you, and some of you thought you were just coming here for you today. You see, that's the witness. That's the power of God. The fact that you're even able to be together. Because let me tell you, there are forces in this world that are trying to tear you apart. Us. And if we haven't seen that this year, I don't know if we're ever going to see it again. The unction in your heart is to divide and separate. Let me just tell you, get on your knees, repent, because God wants us to be together. He wants us to overcome whatever those things are, whether by forgiveness or confession or just studying the word or work together in Christ. He wants us to be together because there's a reason for it, and we're going to talk about that. There it is. Now temple language is in Christ, and now it's in you. Where you are, I will be. That's a fascinating thing. Now you got to put on your inner charismatic, right? <laughs> Where you are, that pillar of smoke, come on, you know, in the desert. No, not like that. But listen, that's what's possible. If you accept Christ as your Lord and King, He is in you and with you. And when we're together, oh my gosh, the Lord God is present. The God who created, the God who defeats, the God who stands ready to heal, to love, to feed, to redeem. Let's don't sell this short. Let's stay together. Let's do whatever it takes to overcome our differences and be the miracle of how are they still together because where y'all are, I love the Texan, (laughs) I will be. Us together in the presence of God. There it is. Temple language wrapped up in the church. You, us together. Us being built together. And listen, you got to remember this before we get going to the rest of it. It has to always be built on Christ. We can't just be getting together on some other name or some other whimsical thought. It has to be built on the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ and his word. Remember, he is a stone that was rejected. Let's make him part of our plans. It is our hope that it's always been the case, but let's remember, us together in the presence of God, and you'll see this, this is, this is marked out as Paul, as I said, if you go through Ephesians, he talks about this in Ephesians chapter two. You might not have read it this way, but this is what it says. Listen, you were dead in your sins, but he made us alive. Do you see the word after alive? Together. Some of you thought he just made you alive. I don't know, I mean, it's it's great that he saved me. Believe me, I need a salvation. And that moment of salvation, that desperate need of personal salvation is true. And it's awesome. But, you know, it's really interesting as he worked on me, as he opened my eyes, he said, look up. And you know what you find? There are others. (laughs) There's more of you. And And he saved you and me together. Not just you to stand there by yourself. But us together. See, we were saved together for what? For what? 
You've been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, and Christ Jesus himself is your cornerstone, and in him, in him, the whole building, that is the temple, is being joined together, and it's growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Did you ever read that in Ephesians? You see, that's what's supposed to be happening when we're together. Us together, being built and standing on the shoulders of the Jezes, of the Gilkersons, of the Winburns, of all the names that they would be embarrassed that I'd be telling you, the Plesics, the Plasics, the Martins, the folks that have come before us, you don't even know their name and they don't care. They don't want you to know their names. They just want you to know they're Jesus. And they started this place for that, hoping to be this kind of place where people would find God, a dwelling place. And then Paul says, I'm gonna solve this riddle. You see, it's not just for you to be a temple together. Listen, the mystery is was taught to him that the gospel of the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Two things that were never supposed to be together are now brought together in Christ and his intent was now that the church, that is the temple, would be a reflection of the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and, the, and everybody in opposition in the world the principalities and powers of the world. Do you understand? You can't get your mind around that if you just don't take a pause and say, listen, what he's talking about is the fact that you're together. It's like this multicolored, many faceted things. Things that don't belong together when they're brought together make something beautiful. And just the fact that you're together singing Jesus Christ into the world, an onlooking world, an onlooking power that intends to defeat Christ is announced as completely dead. He's literally saying as we're together, you can't win. You won't. This is where you'll find the God if Jesus is the cornerstone and foundation. I found this out early, so I'll go through this real quickly. Listen, telling your own story, uh, Sandy and I have loved this place, but one of the one of the blessings of coming here, we got, we, this church was going places. Hey, you want to go to Ukraine? So we went to Ukraine. We got up, went to Ukraine, and I did the first time. And I met this man, uh, Nikolai Manzuk. He's got gold teeth. They've all been replaced there. He's the man that met me at the airport, and it was a cold, dark night. And I didn't know a lick of Russian or Ukrainian. And he's picking me up, and we're driving in this beat-up car. We're stopping at military checkpoints. It's a little tense, and I don't know how to talk to this guy, and he's trying to talk to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the church, there's something wrong here. And he starts saying, zzz, zzz. I don't know what that means. And you know, I said, bees? Yes, yes, he's a beekeeper. And we just frustrated, and all of a sudden, we decided, uh, I thought, well, we're the people of God, let's talk. So I started singing a hymn. How great thou art. You know, then sings my soul, my savior. I was just whispering, and he started singing loud in Russian. And there we were in English and Russian singing the same tune, the same voice to the same God. And anybody looking on would have thought that's the craziest, most impossible thing in the world. And it is. See, that's how it works. I was in UAE one day. You want to know how our church has been part? We have mission throughout the world. I was in UAE one day. And guess what day this picture was taken? It was Easter weekend in a Muslim country. And we're meeting and worshiping Jesus Christ. And what was different about this church and then all other places of worship in that community is there were people from America, from Asia, from Africa, from Arab worlds, all together in the name of Jesus Christ. And you'll see that that was an announcement to an onlooking world that they will not win. You cannot keep us apart. An iron curtain separated me and Nikolai and God ripped it down. You see, the power of God is to bring us together, not separate us. 
not separate us. It's built on a cornerstone. So finish up with this. We're kind of haunted with this question. We need to ask this everywhere we go. Are you the church? We've been trying to ask that for decades here. In almost every meeting I've ever been in here, leadership for decades, are we the church? Are you the one or should we look for another? Y'all know the story when John's in prison, sends his emissaries to Jesus. John, who, who was born to point to Jesus, sends friends and says to Jesus, remember what he asked him? Are you the one or should we look for another? What a question. What a question. Jesus answered, he quoted scripture. He could have just said, yeah, just go tell him I'm Jesus. But at the time they asked the question, he was literally healing people. And so he says, listen, here's what you do. You go and tell them. Go and tell them what you saw. Go and tell them that the, that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf here and the dead are raised, and the poor have been given relief. And the gospel has been preached to them, the good news. So go show them the evidence. So, you know, kind of what we're going to be. Who, who are we? Who do we want to be? You know, Sandy and I were asking that question. What, uh, what do we, when we first got here, you know, we were kind of hurting a little bit. We were, we were hurting, but we were looking. And we wanted to know, is this, is this the church? We, could, we got, went to different churches. We grew up in different churches. I was in a church of Christ. Sandy was in, in a Catholic church. But uh, over, you know, two decades ago, we come here just like most of you. And I wonder if this is the place. That's a good question. I mean, literally, that's what John was asking Jesus, right? Are you the temple? Is this where we find God, or should we look for another? We all ask that in some way, right? Well, let's answer it, and we'll finish. So we, we have a piece of paper at the state of Texas. This is 1972. It says we're forming Temple Bible Chapel. Might not have known that. We changed the name later, but it's Temple Bible Church. But 1972, we have a piece of paper that says we're a church, and it's still there. It's still the foundational documents, but it's not our foundation. See, we were building it. The men and women that got together and built it was built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. They wanted the people to get together and learn the Word of God. They, they started separating 20% of every general fund dollar to go into global missions. They wanted to take the world, Word to the world. And let me tell you, the church that was meeting at the top of the Carpenters Union Hall at the time with just a handful of people, that's a grand vision. And those are some of the shoulders we stand on because we still do that. 20% goes to global missions. Wow, are we the church or should we look for another? This is what I would say. So Sandy and I, what we found, let me tell our story, what we found was people mean together. I, I remember the third week I was here, I was meeting with some lawyers, don't hold it against me, I'm a lawyer. But well, I was meeting with some lawyers. We're having coffee at one of the diners here. And there were some guys that I'd seen at church the week before. Men. You know, dudes. At a, at a diner at, at lunchtime with their Bibles open. So listen, I know I lived in Austin and Houston and that stuff doesn't happen there. But I'd never seen that before. But then I go to another place and there's another group of dudes over there. And they're praying at breakfast. Like where and I kind of we came here and we came came here and the oh I saw you at breakfast y'all were doing y'all were praying y'all were reading scripture together so for me oh my gosh I don't I didn't know what I, I didn't even know I was supposed to be looking for that this making disciples thing was serious <laughs> it was after Sunday it wasn't on Sunday and then you know someone said hey you want to join a small group and oh gosh is this a cult <laughs> you got to be kidding me. 
what does that mean? You got to go to someone's house, talk about yourself, maybe share prayer. And we did, we did. How do we do that by the grace of God? We even started one. And in that community, you see, we surrendered into community. In that community, we started, our hurts and our pains were, were being healed by the community. The God where we found his people and men and women were pouring into each other and we were getting together. Yes, Sunday, and that's important, but we were getting together and we stayed together and we learned together and we imagined great things together and it was wonderful and we found that here. We found worship in a way that neither one of us had. I played guitar in bars, right? And then Aaron Johnson asked me to play on the worship team. I'm like, ooh. I grew up in a church that didn't have instruments. <laughs> I was playing, I felt like God was gonna strike me dead. Oh, but, and he wrote songs. See, he wrote songs for the church. This is a church that wrote their own songs. Y'all don't know, but this morning, one of the songs we sang was TBC Worship, written by Whitley Casey. It's a beautiful song, y'all clapped at it. You're, 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 I can't do it, you're good, you're so good. Father, you're so good. It's us, we're writing songs as a community. And then we, we experience all this, and then all of a sudden, oh, you wanna, oh gosh, this is terrible. You wanna serve in children's ministry? <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, one of the most life-giving, life-giving things we ever did was serving children's ministry. Don't miss out. People are serving. You know what else happened? All of a sudden, they invited me to a men's conference. Who's been to a men's conference? Gosh, you're talking about a cult, a bunch of guys getting out in the woods somewhere? That's weird. But, oh my gosh, men lifting their hands and studying together and all that. That's coming up. Gentlemen, it's coming up. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. It's coming up in this end of this month and getting, don't miss it. I went to the first one thinking that's weird, but I've gone to 23 straight. And it's been a blessing. Let me tell you, every year I think of reasons not to go, but I'm so glad I go. Do it. Go serve. Go be in. That's what we found. We found people being baptized. Coming to faith. Go and tell them. Listen, are you the place? Go and tell them. We got people coming to faith. Coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Dedicating their hearts and life. And declaring their faith in public in front of God and everybody. People are being baptized. They're coming to know. People are dedicating their families to Christ and community. You know, Jesus quoted scripture. When he said, go and tell them the poor and the the lame, go and tell them this. But you know what, son, he, he, what, you know what I want to find out is what did Jesus say about the church? And one of the things said, did you come visit me in prison? You know what you can tell them about our place? <laughs> yes. In this room right here, you have heroes. They're right back there and there's other gone with them. Dozens of people, year after year, they go to the prisons right down the road and they go tell people about Jesus Christ. Hey, are you the church? Well, we hope so. Did you come see me when I was in prison? Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. Can we do more? Absolutely. These are the shoulders we stand on. Hey, when I was hungry, did you feed me? Are you the church? Yes, we're trying. Can we do more? Yeah. Even today, food pantries and shelters are being filled by your generosity and your donation. People are serving and doing this. I am way over time. Guys, we're the church. We're trying to be. It's imperfect, but one of the last things we... We, do we get together? Do we worship and pray? Yes, we're doing that today. One of the other things, well, some do a lot more worship than others. That's Tim Cartwright. He cannot dance. 
Are we loving each other community? I've already described that with Sandy and I. The answer is yes. Look, we're getting together. We're loving one another. We're growing together and across all different demographics and lines. People that aren't supposed to be together are together in Christ. And yes, go and tell them we hope to be the church of God. Look at that, Shannon. <laughs> we're caring for the displaced. We have homeless people in this community. We also have people, if you remember through Harvey and Katrina, when people were displaced, they needed a place to stay. We didn't take pictures of them for dignity purposes, but you should know that our commons and our outback during that Harvey time was full of over 180 people that needed a place to stay for day after day. You fed them, you housed them, you cared for them. Are we, are we the church or should we look for another? Are we going to keep doing that? Some of us even went. We support life. We've been standing for life in Temple, Texas, and Bell County for decades. Every since we've got here, we remembered, we were told about a place called the Crisis Pregnancy Center. And they stand for life and they counsel young women to choose life for their children. And many of you go serve there even now. And you go, some of, some of uh, you men go meet with dads and women go meet with moms-to-be and you give them the courage to choose life or choose life over anything else. Not just that, you might not know this, but do, I know this because I've been blessed to participate, but dozens and dozens and dozens of children have been adopted into families, into this church because they want to be the church. And they're sitting here amongst you. This is a church in action. Heck, even one of our members, Jack Jones, is a judge. He loves the days. He puts a gavel and says, you're now her son. You're now his daughter. It's a beautiful day. Are we going to the nations? Yes, we are going to the nations. We already talked about that. We've been all over. I'm just going to scroll through some missionaries. We have ministers and pastors and, and uh, leaders and families in Ukraine and France and the Middle East and Asia throughout the entire world in South America. My goodness, some of these people you've seen around. There's my dear friend, Pavel Marchuk. These, these folks uh, are serving in some of the hardest places. And because of your faithfulness, people all over the world are hearing about the great love of Jesus Christ. And guess what they're starting where they go? Churches, where they can be together and be an announcement for God. Are we the church or should we look for another? We need to ask that question over and over again. Okay, I've kept you a long time, but that's what they, they should never let the old guy out. <laughs> you know, I'm going to finish with a story. That uh, picture is a dear friend of mine named Salasiel. He is a really an apostolic kind of gift set person in Basse, Rwanda. And we had the privilege to have a partnership, us together, with the church in, in Basse, Rwanda. Salathiel invited us one day to go out to the village. They basically said, we're just going to go worship in the middle of town and see who comes. They didn't even do an invitation. In other words, he's saying the Ephesians 3.10, we're just going to go be a witness. We're going to go sing and worship and be the people of God together and he's going to be with us and we're going to see what happens. And he's just thundering away. We brought a loudspeaker. And as we're worshiping, you can kind of see in the background, hundreds of people started peeling off on that countryside, the hillside. And all of a sudden, we started worshiping. I don't know if you can see it, but it just broke out. What happened is there were denominations that had kind of been in different places. It's a hard place to travel, but they didn't have a chance to get together very often. And today they got together and they're there dancing. And I'm telling you, it was supposed to be one group at a time, but they couldn't contain themselves. They started worshiping together and the gospel was preached. And I'm telling you, I was there. It's true. To see that hillside is on this bedrock. 
right? And as they're dancing, literally the earth was moving. It was shaking. You ever been on a rocky place where something happens and the ground shakes? Like when Fort Hood bombs, you know, next to your neighborhood? Well, it was, it was not like that. It was like that. It was this constant rumble. And, and you see, we were together, white people and black people, denominations separate, coming together, worshiping the Lord God, and he was with us, and everybody could see it. The power and the majesty of the church, they're not looking for us. They're looking for the God that we love. And you've got to be ready to tell them about it. That's what he wants to do. He wants to demonstrate his great power to anyone that's looking. In the end, you'll see this. This is where we're heading. See, his glory is going to cover the earth as the water covers the sea. This place, where we're heading, our hope is he will be with us. And our question the next few weeks and through this series is, are you with us? You want to be the, we want to be your family. We want to be your church family. Brothers and sisters joined together trying to realize something greater than just my personal salvation. That if we just get together and we kind of lock arms together and we start imagining what's possible, that maybe, just maybe, people could see how good our God is.